So as I said to <clears throat> earlier question, <clears throat> you know, there are a number of conditions that need to come together for us to be able to experience the joy of meditation. And um, those conditions aren't always present. But sometimes they are present. <clears throat> and um, sometimes it can be quite unexpected that a person sits down to meditate and there's some joy. Wow. Now, some people who are not familiar with it can get really excited. And uh, the very excitement kind of blows it away. And especially if it's strong. So part of the process of uh, meditation is to do it often enough, to get familiar enough with it, that the mind doesn't get kind of excited. Oh, look. So it becomes kind of ordinary. So the joy doesn't become, you know, it feels a little bit kind of ordinary every day, or it's like brushing your teeth maybe. Um, it's a little bit easier that way. Um, and even people who don't experience it for, you know, any kind of joy for a long time, but still find meditation beneficial, might unexpectedly one day find all this joy there. And then they can know, now hopefully, in this, under seeing this kind of map that this uh, 16 stages gives, it gives you some sense of it fits. Oh, that's what, you know, some appreciation of its value that it has a place. And also, more importantly, perhaps, some appreciation of what you had to have let go of in order to experience that joy. And this is where uh, it's kind of part of the, some of the wisdom comes from, is wherever, when you experience really present, you feel some peace or some joy or some satisfaction really being present, it's really worthwhile understanding what is it that's not present. To really understand well, oh, not just take it for granted and say, well, this is the way it is, you know, great. But rather say, oh, this is, uh, what's absent is I'm not distracted. What's absent is I'm not preoccupied with my sensual pleasure. What's absent is there's no reactivity in the mind, no aversion in the mind. There's all these things that are not not present in a strong enough way to distract me. And to really appreciate the absence of those things. And that there's a number, that, that appreciation does a number of things. One is that it can strengthen their absence. It can uh, make it easier to notice when they're present but also easier to notice how to let go of them, the alternative to them, the other side of them. If you really appreciate the absence of them, that appreciation hopefully will make it more easy, more likely that you can go there in the future. You can go to that place of absence. You know it's valuable. You're interested. If you don't know of a place of peace, then the mind's not going to turn towards that or be interested or tune into it. And so the mind's only going to be interested in its petty drama or not-so-petty drama. And, but if it knows about peace, then it can turn towards it and uh, you know, appreciate it, the more likely, uh, as, as the sutta talks about, fall into it. Um, another thing that's important to understand about this process of meditation like this, I've said this before, it's not a linear path, you know, from better to better to better, that at any point along this process, and different days, different points. But at any point in this process, there might be a very powerful <clears throat> purification process that needs to, go, needs to occur. This is the Theravadan tradition talks about purification. And uh, there, it, so at any point in this process, there might be very powerful um, 
attachments, fears, uh, holding patterns, uh, grief, uh, variety of things that are something very deeply, very troubling that might need to have a chance to come up and be purified, be emptied out, be cleansed. And uh, a person can go through a lifetime kind of living at one layer, from the surface layer of the mind, and have at a deeper level some deep unresolved grief or some deep unresolved trauma or some deep unre- unresolved something, some really deep stuff, or perhaps some, some very strong unethical behavior has been done and that unethical behavior somehow has been lodged deep down kind of below the layer of kind of surface mind. And as we kind of settle below the surface mind in meditation, we encounter these places, these, and, and sometimes for some individuals it can be very, very powerful. And it, uh, it's not a simple process to go through this. Um, I was on a retreat recently, a teaching retreat recently, and there was a woman who kept needing to uh, vomit. And, um, you know, she, she didn't vomit, she was dry heaving, but it was really dramatic. And, um, and uh, there was, she had this tr- amazing trauma from her childhood that she was working through. And uh, it was like she needed to empty herself of it, she to empty herself of it. And, um, and the, uh, the Buddha uses the language of vomit occasionally. Uh, he talks about vomiting the defilements. And I don't think it's always just meant to be kind of a nice, if you want what, a nice analogy, you know, for the process. I think sometimes it actually is. You know, because it's such strong stuff that can happen. Um, for a long time, when I first would go, when I go on retreat, the first day of the retreat, I usually get a headache. And for me, I think it was just part of that cleansing process that was going through some stuff. So even though this uh, 16 stages <clears throat> goes through kind of a linear, simple kind of path, it, it kind of hides the fact that it's you know not so clean and simple. You know, it's like oh yeah, one, two, three, you know. There can be, you know, at any point along the stay, less process, you need something to stop and do this kind of, do your homework or do your cleansing or cleaning up or something. So, uh, anybody want to say something about what happened in that meditation for you? A little bit, the emphasis was on joy or relief or something. It, uh, was that something you could uh, touch into or have some, some um, hints of or some relevance? Anybody want to say something? I was trying. Can you hear me? Hold it closer. Test, 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 test. Yeah, there I came. Test. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was trying to do the little half smile, and when I, I mean, I have a lot of problems with stress up in here anyway, and so when I would cognitively try to do that, it would engage this again, and it was. I had to sort of give a, a half-half smile. <laughs> um, and I was wondering if what to do about that. Don't smile. <laughs> until, until you've released the stress here, and then maybe you can do it again. But yeah, and there's, there's many, many people don't do the half-smile in meditation. It's, just, it's, it's a technique some people find useful, but there's no need to do it. If it's useful, great. If it's not, yes. I I usually have a um, little 
turmoil going on before I settle into the meditation. It's like everything, pleasant, unpleasant, like total chaos. And, um, but then, same today, once I show up, I mean, like, I don't know how to describe that, but I, I have the feeling that I, I really show up, like, and maybe it's the presentness, I don't know. Um, I mean, physically show up and in the meditation, that makes me feel very at ease and happy, and I have this ground feeling. I don't know what to describe that, but it seems like it's not heavy, it's a very light feeling, but ground. Uh-huh, great. And um, then at the end of the meditation, I'm actually very excited because I made it through. <laughs> so it's a very um, relief feeling. Like I sometimes I don't expect myself to get through. Like I don't make it. Come on, like this. And then I eventually do give up after like 50 minutes or so. But today it was, it was again. I I went through and I thought, see, you can do it. It's fine. You can. Yay. Great. That is very joyful. Like Great. to finish a meditation. Great, wonderful. So what you said initially is you seem you seem to recognize a pattern in your sitting, that it, that um, it takes a while. First, you have to kind of be, somehow be convinced that you should really be here. You can really show up, and then when you do, however, you tend to go through kind of a, 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 a kind of rough time or kind of agitated time where you go pleasant and play. A lot of stuff's going on at once, and then that settles. And you, so if you know that's a pattern, it can be easier to go through it. So, oh, this is my way. Thank, thank you. Um, yeah, so I get the feeling after sitting for a while, I get some kind of blissful feeling or whatever, and I do feel that maybe when I reach that, uh, I'm not paying quite as close attention to my breath anymore. And after a while, yeah, I'm not entirely sure if I'm still really with my breath anymore. So uh, I'm curious. So I missed the very beginning. You said sometimes you get... Well, I, I get to a point where I'm feeling some pleasant oh, sensations or whatever. And uh, I'm not, not sure if I'm staying with my breath through it all. Could be. So as, uh, the, the, usually the joy of meditation that comes along, of concentration, comes with being, <laughs> being calm and relaxed. Comes with letting go. And letting go is a big part of it. And, uh, and as people get calmer, they, it's very easy to become complacent. Because you know, it's basically enjoyable, basically nice, and you know, I don't have to really try so hard. And people start drifting more. And it's very important uh, not to drift. It's important to catch oneself and know that, notice when we're no longer having the right energy or effort there. And um, it's a classic kind of, kind of problem for meditators to think that they're doing great in meditation, because, but really they're just drifting and more and more and actually drifting off in thought and they hardly know it because it feels so good it's so warm so cozy so nice you know and just oh everything's wonderful and you know and yes that last year when I went on vacation it was like that and we had this wonderful t- pie and yes and you know you know and oh it's so great and yeah I'm meditating really well I tell you you know, you know so, so you know we think we're meditating well but but we kind of we can be fooled by the pleasantness or, or another so so what you reported was great. Now you have to uh, notice it more um, diligently, so that uh, you don't get swept away, and but so you can arouse a little more energy. Sally. 
I may have actually been experiencing joy before before lunch with, with the guided meditation. I, I felt this deep level of calm that I really haven't experienced before, at least not to that point. And at the same time, a kind of same time, kind of an overall tingling and, and energy. And but I didn't recognize it. And no. after lunch, I, I certainly I didn't get there. <laughs> It's hard. It's hard after lunch. I know. We, we did it all upside down today. Yeah. So tingle, uh, tingling can be one of the signs, symptoms of uh, this pity. So this, this, this thing called, we translate as joy, is called pity in Pali. And there's a lot of different symptoms of pity. And some of them are not so joyful in the way we think of joy. Sometimes it can be very strong energy coursing through the body. Very strong tingling. Um, strong vibration. Sometimes people have strong vibration in their forehead, some people, or strong vibration in their area or in their mouth. Sometimes they even pucker up their mouth because very intense energy kind of comes with that pity. Uh, sometimes their body begins shaking and moving. Um, but tingling is certainly some of it. You know, strong tingling. Sometimes a feeling of white light that comes on. And um, so there's a, lot, there's a whole range of symptoms that come. Some of them are not so pleasant even. And it seems a little bit of a paradox to talk about joy and the sensations are not pleasant. But it is a heightened energy that can happen through the system. So is this responding to you? Well, except that, that it was accompanied by this really deep calm. Yeah. These things can happen in so many different ways. So there can be strong calm and then tingling and kind of a tingling kind of joy. That's definitely that can be part of it. Um, was there much thinking going on? So you might, you, it's possible you'd move to a deeper level than joy. The, the, the next, we'll talk in a little while after we come back from the break. We'll talk about the, 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 the stage after joy. Yeah. Okay, so if you're experiencing joy and tingling and focusing on that and not focusing on your breathing, is that okay? <laughs> I mean, is that okay? Present. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's sure it's okay. Uh, some sometimes by focusing, uh, if you uh, uh, in order to go further, it's good to stay with the breath, and then mostly most of your attention stays with the breath, and a little bit you kind of work, massage, open up to the joy on the side, but the primary focus is on the breath. It's like you're getting a massage, and so you need to stay in touch and keep massaging the breath, but then you kind of allow these joys to kind of ripple beyond it. Some people will uh, find it useful to, to forget about the breath and turn directly to the sensations of joy or beauty or pleasure or something that's coming up in their body. And by focusing on it directly and getting concentrated on there, then they can, they can get more concentrated and they can grow. Some people find if they turn towards, away from the breath and turn towards the joy, the joy diminishes. So it's a trial and error. You have to experiment and see what works for you. And if you want, if you want the joy too much, that's a problem too. So you have to kind of you have to very light touch with all this. Um, I guess just now I've gotten more confused about joy because in my mind it's an emotional state. Uh, on an earlier retreat, I had the tingling experience you talked about, where I lit up like a Christmas tree for most of two days. Yeah. And that was an intense physical sensation that I didn't have a value judgment about. So I think of joy as more emotion. So I'm now confused by you saying it can be tingling but not feel happy. Can you maybe talk about other ways to, def- to translate that word? Hmm. 
Well, sometimes it's translated as rapture. Um, um, I, don't, I don't have another word for you, but sometimes it can be more energetic than emotional. So there's a lot of energy, tingling, energy coursing through the system a lot that seems to be there rather than some kind of joy. <clears throat> the, uh, but generally, the joy part is a little bit more... Um, it's uh, the joy, the pity, is energetic. Uh, the next stage, which is usually called the sukha, uh, is less energetic. It's more sublime. So, so, um, so some people say, some, for some people, the joy thing has a strong mental quality to it. The mind is kind of, uh, even though there's a lot of lots going on in the body, the mind is kind of energized. And uh, that's part of the reason why it's tiring. And with the next thing, the sukha, with the happiness, um, the mental excitement is settled down in the body. It feels much more deeply satisfying in the body, the happiness thing. But so, so the piti is more energetic. So hopefully that's... Okay. So let's take a break. And uh, should we do it for 10 minutes? Does that work? Or Let's try and be relaxed if we do have a line for the bathroom. <laughs>